Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Harvey Gustav. Uh, this weekend, as uh, Waitara, as the youth is putting on this, this uh, summit entitled Overcomer, it is not coming at a better time than this. We are living in a time where there are temptations upon temptations around us daily and we need the ability to overcome. Now, before I even start to go into my preaching, I haven't even introduced myself. Well, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Harvey, and um, I actually worship at the Fairfield SDA Church. I'm here with my wife, Tammy, and I was I'm, I'm actually originally from the, the West Indies, uh, from St. Lucia. So for those of you who don't know, I just thought I would just give a quick introduction of, of myself. All right, so um, yes, an unlikely hero, a story with giant <laughs> implications. <laughs> All right, so based on, the, based on the title that you've seen here, you, you, already, uh, you are aware of where I'm going with my presentation this afternoon. As, I, as Daniel asked me a couple of weeks ago, he said, listen, I need you to, um, to speak at one of our live uh, summits and as I went home and I began to try to think and, and, and try to understand, okay, what, what should I, I speak on? And the first thing which came to mind was this story taken from First Samuel chapter 17. And um, I needed a sign. I said, God, no, that's not enough. Can you please tell me exactly what are you trying to tell me? And so as I went on my church's uh, WhatsApp group, lo and behold, a couple of hours later, someone posted a, a quotation based on 1 Samuel 17. And so I took my cue from there and I decided to uh, press forward. In 1 Samuel 17, we find the story of David and Goliath. And uh, we all know this famous story. It used to represent situations when um, an underdog must face a much stronger opponent. There's a book written by the author named Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, the name of the book is David and Goliath. And Mike, uh, Malcolm actually attempted to expound on the story of David, of, uh, David and Goliath uh, by actually suggesting that uh, 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 Goliath suffered from a medical condition called acromegaly. And, and because Goliath suffered from that condition, um, what happened was he, was he was losing his sight. And so therefore, Malcolm was trying to insinuate because of uh, uh, Goliath's poor sight that David was able to gain advantage. But friends of mine, insinuating that Goliath uh, was, was a weak opponent is against what the word of God has stipulated. Are you with me? To suggest that Goliath was a weak opponent, it is, it is saying that you are nullifying the power of God. Amen? And so 
that then makes the story of David and Goliath void. Uh, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by thy word, for thy word is what? Thy word is truth. And this is what I actually did. So when we went to, as you go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, it says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. You know, I never knew that a champion was weak. To be called a champion, it, 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 it means that Goliath would have already won many battles previously. Are you with me? And to try to insinuate that uh, 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 David actually dependent on, de depended on, on the physical uh, nature of Goliath, you are taking away or you are nullifying the scriptures. I want to take you to uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. And I read in your hearing, verse 8, it says, Beware lest anyone cheats you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. There are many theories out there which try uh, to dispel God's power. But in order for us to be able to depict uh, that dubious uh, message, we need to be able to search the scriptures and make a comparison. I want to use uh, this story today to highlight some pivotal points we can use to overcome our Goliaths. But before I begin, we need to understand or we need to know the anatomy of a Goliath. Are you with me? Uh, a Goliath is some situation, a Goliath is, is some circumstance, a pain, or a problem that looms large. It's that one thing that is overwhelming and we're told, we are told in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 4 that he went out as a champion of the Philistines. Goliath was apparently around 9 feet 6 inches. And we're told in verse, uh, verses 5 down to verse 7 that he wore over 50 kilos of armor. And so when we look at the anatomy of a Goliath, we realize that a giant of a problem is something that is so big, something that is so overwhelming in our existence. You see, we know that we are facing a giant because it intimidates us. And when you begin to think about it, when you begin to, to look at it, and, and when you have to deal with the giant, it produces emotional insecurity. Because we're told in verse 11 and verse 24, this is what we're told. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and was afraid. When they saw Goliath, they fled in fear and they were greatly afraid. A giant of a problem creates emotional instability so that you, 
you were not able to control your, your emotions because the Goliath that you're facing is actually controlling you. Goliaths come in many different shapes and sizes. There could be medical Goliaths, there could be uh, uh, relational Goliaths, career Goliaths, economic Goliaths, Goliaths of addictions and and, 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 and that includes addictions such as pornography and, and social media and, 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 and Netflix. And as I, as I did just a bit of research on that, what I realized is that social media is actually having a massive, a massive, massive mental impact on our young people today. And you can see the graph here between YouTube to, what do you call it, Instagram? Instagram has the highest mental impact on our young people. It is an epidemic. It is a problem. Binging on Netflix has become an addiction to our young people today. And we can see the problems here on the screen. And so in verse 16, the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented themselves 40 days. For 40 days, he would not leave them alone. And that's what a Goliath does. It just won't leave you alone. So I want to ask the question. I want to ask the question. How did David kill Goliath? They're facing an exhaustible situation as Goliath has come and challenged Israel, standing between their past and their future. God had made some promises to Israel in the past regarding where he wanted them to be in the future. But here between the past and the future stands Goliath. And here comes David on the scene, a shepherd, the youngest of several siblings. In his heart, David is a king. God has wired him to be a king. He's given a purpose and a calling in his life to be a king in 1 Samuel 16. And I believe just like David, all of us are wired to do something great with our lives as young people. I believe just as David was called to be that king, uh, we too are called to be king and queens uh, in God's kingdom. Amen? How did David kill Goliath. And you may say, yes, he killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. But I would like to go somewhat theologically uh, deeper with you in analyzing what David had done to overcome Goliath. And as we look at the story, one of the points that I'm coming out with is that we need to embrace, in order to overcome our Goliaths, we need to embrace the wilderness moment. Psalms chapter 78, 70 to 72. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep. He brought him to the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands. He led them. And so David went through that preparation as a shepherd in the wilderness. And as we continue to read further, we notice that in that wilderness of preparation, David had conquered a lion and a bear. 
God had developed his skills during the preparation season. He practiced using that sling and that rod, fighting off predators. Forty days, Goliath taunted them. And after that 40 days, David emerges from the wilderness, prepared to take on the predator. You know, 40 days in the wilderness, you know what it represents? Testing time. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, and after that, what happens? He was tempted by the devil. Israelites spent, what, 40 years um, in the wilderness. During that 40 years, what was, it, what was it for? It was a time of preparation. And so in order for us to overcome and in order for us to face our Goliaths, we need to be able to spend that time in the wilderness. 1 Samuel 13, 14, God calls David a man after his own heart. Messages to young people, page 99, it says, Christ has given us no assurance that to attain perfection of character is an easy matter. A noble all-round character is not inherited. It does not come to us by accident. A noble character is earned by individual effort through the merits and grace of Christ. God gives the talents. He gave David the ability, the skill to use that slingshot. The powers of the minds, we, can, we, we form the character. It is formed by hard, stern battles with self. Conflict after conflict must be raged against hereditary tendencies. We shall have to criticize ourselves closely and allow not one unfavorable trait to remain uncorrected. So the first one, in overcoming Goliath is what? Embracing that wilderness moment. Second point. Put your giant into perspective. Put your giant into perspective. One of the rules of uh, hermeneutics, which is the science and art of biblical interpretation, is not only to read and observe, but to look for repetition because repetition to scripture is always a clue to emphasis. And I believe my brother Tom touched on that last night. So when you see something repeated in the same context about the same event in the same story, that gives you a clue that something has to be paid attention to. So for example, you might see things like verily, verily, Martha, Martha. And so he's trying to tell us, hey, we need to go a little bit deeper now. And so when we read 1 Samuel 17, 26, that's what it says. And David spoke to the man that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? So David is now on site. He's now gone through his wilderness experience. He's now embraced that experience. He's now matured in the faith. And he's now ready to take on the problem. And he's now in the, in the valley of Elah. And so this is what David is saying. What shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When we look at verse 36, it says, Thy servant slew both 
So David is now telling Saul, hey, listen, this is why I believe we need to take him out. I can take him out. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he have defied the armies of the living God. Anyone realize that there's something being repeated there? What is the word? If you get the word, I've got something for you. What is the word that's been repeated in both texts? Uncircumcised. Uncircumcised. My brother, in this envelope is a slingshot. In this envelope is a slingshot. And at the end of the sermon, you'll be presented with that slingshot. Amen? All right. As we continue with our sermon, so he's right. My brother is right. What we've got here is that uncircumcised, the word uncircumcised was repeated. Now, we need to realize there that the one thing you will find here is that the two verses there are connected because, because of this. So while everyone else is looking at Goliath's stature, David is on scene now and David is saying, yes, he's massive. Yes, he's a giant. He's, he's massive, but he's uncircumcised. What is David trying to say right now? Putting your giant into perspective. This Philistine has not been circumcised, and because he has not been circumcised, it changes the nature of the battle. What I'd like to say to you about defeating the Goliath in your life, it always starts with a spiritual perspective of the problem. If all, if all we are looking at is the visible, physical, and not the visible, spiritual, let me repeat that again. If all we are looking at is the visible, physical, and not the invisible, spiritual, then we will not see the invisible cause of the visible physical reality of Goliath. Do you want me to repeat that again? All right. That's now that's very important. I'll repeat it again. You need, you need to get it. Let's do it again. If you are looking at, if what you are looking at, the Goliath you're looking at, if you are looking at the physical, the visible physical, and not the invisible spiritual. So you're looking at the, vis the visible physical. You're not looking at the, the, the invisible spiritual. Then you will not see the invisible spiritual cause of the visible physical reality of the Goliath that you face. You got it? Now I'm going to sum that up for you. I'll sum it up for you. That's what it's saying. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are external. Sorry, it's eternal. Right? So looking at, looking at Goliath, we, we ought to look at our Goliaths in a, in a spiritual way perspective and this is how we begin to overcome now one thing i know that um but my clock is ticking and i want to just take you quickly down to 
Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, verse 10 and 14. Just quickly. Verse 10, it says, This is my covenant which shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And verse 14, it says, And the uncircumcised male, what did I say? What did the Bible say, in fact? The uncircumcised male who is not, who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my what? So David is on scene here and he's looking at everyone. He said, what is going on? Hey, guys, we are part of the covenant. Hey, I am part of the covenant. We've created that covenant with God, but uh, 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 Goliath has not. And so therefore, he's, no, he's, not part, he's not under that covering, that protection. And you, you, you ask yourself, why did David have so much confidence in being able to face Goliath? That was one of the reasons. Because he knew that he was under the covenant. And so when he came, the first thing he saw, hey, this guy is uncircumcised. I can take him. So David saw things for a covenant and Goliath was not protected. And so David had divine authority and his problem does not. How we overcome our Goliaths. The third point, fight in your own armor. Fight in your own armor. What am I saying? What am I saying? First Samuel 17, 38 to 39, and Saul armed David. Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he, he armed him with a coat of mail. So that's like a sort of like a protective coat made out of brass or metal. And David girded his sword and upon his armor, and he is said to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. What was Saul trying to do? Was Saul trying to mock David? Was he trying to protect David from being killed? Because you know what? The Bible says that among all the Israelites, Saul was probably the tallest. Not probably, he was the tallest. And so if somebody had to go fight Goliath, it should have been Saul. But the problem here is that Saul had now taken himself out of underneath of that covenant. The Spirit of God had left him. So rather than being a, 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 a hero at the time, Saul was running away. And Saul is now giving David some ill advice and putting David under some immense stress by putting on his armors. And I want you to real, realize something here. Young people, my brothers and my sisters, we ought to be careful who we take guidance from. Sometimes we may be going through our Goliaths. Or we may go get guidance from someone we think, oh, 
I think this person really likes me. I think he's a, he's a good person. I, I can take his advice. But what we don't realize that this person does not have the spirit of the Lord with him or her. And is advising you to be defeated. And so hence we need to fight in our own armor. You see, I want to I make another point here about Saul. In the previous chapters of 1 Samuel, we realized that Israelite, the Israelites wanted a king. And, and, and the, the God was not enough for them, so they wanted a king like all the other nations. And so, out of frustration, they got Saul. But what we, we realize here is that when we read 1 Samuel 16... In 1 Samuel 16, we realize there that um, Saul was given a name, a commander position. Because in Hebrew, um, that word that um, was given to Saul was Najid. So if we read uh, 1 Samuel, I, I don't have time to go through it. 1 Samuel chapter 16, you realize here that God is giving um, Israel Saul and he's saying, I'm giving you a commander. And in Hebrew, it's referred to as Najid, which is a military position. But when it came to David in, in 1 Samuel 16, 1, it's now moved from a Najid to Melech. Because, uh, because David is now not just uh, one who is, who is killed and equipped, but David now has the Spirit of God within him. I want to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15 to 17. 2 Timothy 2, 15 to 17. Be diligent to present yourselves, approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to be dividing that word of truth. We need to be putting on our own armor. We can't be depending on our, our parents. We can't be depending on the elders of the church. See, David couldn't depend on Saul. The spirit had already left him. David had to create his own moment, his own wilderness moment with God. And so this text says, saying here, as I continue, 16, but shine profane and idle bubblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And verse 17, and their message will spread like uh, and their message will spread like cancer. But my, my main text here was verse 15, be, di be diligent be, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not, is not ashamed of dividing the word of truth. How do we overcome and defeat our Goliaths? The fourth one, we run towards the giant. We run towards the giant. Come with me to 1 Samuel 17. It's not on the screen. 1 Samuel 17. And we'll be looking at verse 32 to 35. 1 Samuel 17, uh, 32 to 35, it says, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. 
You are a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. That's verse 35. We'll go to verse 48. It says, So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the enemy to meet the Philistine. Friends, we need to walk towards, run towards our journey. When David talks about slaying Goliath, he has some very interesting set of scenarios. When the lion and bear attacked his sheep, he ran to the lion and ran to the bear. When Goliath shows up, he runs to Goliath. So therefore, you know what? David is saying, when, when you operate under God, when you under the covenant of God, you no longer operate in a defensive mood. Are you with me? You're now operating in an offensive mood. So your game, pl- your, your game plan, your game strategy has now changed from defensive to now offensive. So rather than running away, you're now running towards that giant. And one of the things that I realized whenever God moved supernaturally in the Bible, the most normal thing that you would see is that God did not move until the people moved first. The people had to take an offensive posture before the miracles happened. See, God told Moses, hold out your rod and ask the people to start moving before he opened the Red Sea. God told Joshua, tell the priest to put his foot in the Jordan before uh, the water was held back. God told Peter to cast out the net before it was filled. He asked the stone to be rolled away before he resurrected Lazarus. And my last point, I've got five minutes left. Call on your God. Call on your God. When we look at 1 Samuel 17, 40, down to 47, and we look at this here in the book Patriots and Prophets. This is what it says. There was a ring of fearlessness in his tone, a look of triumph and rejoicing upon his fair countenance. This speech given in a clear musical voice rang out on the air and was distinctly heard by the, by, by, by the listening thousand marshaled for war. The anger of Goliath was roused to the very highest heat. In his rage, he pushed up. In his rage, he what? What did, what did David say to Goliath? David told Goliath, hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy you in the name of my God. And that got him upset. But in getting him upset, he exposed himself to be taken out. 
He pushed up the helmet that protected his forehead and rushed toward, forward to wreak vengeance upon his opponent. The son of Jesse was preparing for his foe. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took thence. Now, I do not have the stone. <laughs> I was actually thinking of it, but then I was like, no, this is too dangerous. I haven't practiced. Bro, that's, that's the sling you're going to get. That's a slingshot, right? Leather, bought from the USA. It was made in China, <laughs> all right? So David then takes his slingshot, gets his stone in there, and as he runs towards his giant, Goliath, being the professional that he was because I'm happy I didn't have a stone in there. Because he had his wilderness moment and he was killed. And as he flicked that stone and he saw that mark in Goliath's forehead. And as that stone carried through the air and hit the Philistine in the forehead, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And Goliath was defeated. Why? Because David called on his God. Now there's something, something very interesting here. In verse 45, I know I've got three minutes left. In verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. The Hebrew word here for God is Yahweh Sabot. Yahweh Sabot. The God of angel armies. The God of angel armies armies. The good news, friends of mine, is that he's our God as well. So as we face those giants and we call upon God, who is the God of angel armies, he will give us that strength to defeat Goliath. Nothing is apparently more helpless yet, really more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness and relies wholly on the merits of the Savior, God would send every angel in heaven to the aid of such one rather than allow him to be overcome. What is your Goliath today? What is the Goliath that you've been struggling with Time after time after time that you've spoken to God and you just can't seem to get rid of it because it, it like as Goliath was, was screaming at the Israelites for 40 days and you've got this thing 
coming back to you and it's coming back and it's nagging you and it's taunting you. What is your Goliath today? Do you think after this presentation that you will have the power to overcome your Goliath? In the two minutes that I've got left, I've got two Goliath scenarios. They're true stories. And after this, you will need to make a decision for God. Whether you're standing on the fence, whether you're not sure about giving your life to God, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure who's in the congregation, where you at spiritually. Goliath scenario number one. 16-year-old boy wrote this on his Facebook page. What I'm doing is not right, but I'm tired of hoping for a change. I hope that God can forgive me for this and accept me with open arms, for I only want the pain and heartache to go away. I may have some great friends, but it's not enough to keep me in such sorrow anymore. It's going through a Goliath. I'm sorry when I'm gone, I want to be remembered not by my suicide, but of my smile and personality. I want to be remembered by, by my courage to do what I'm about to do. I love you all and I will be looking after you and so on. And he, he, he went on. 16-year-old boy was struggling with his identity, Goliath. Wasn't sure he was. He wasn't, he wasn't accepted by his parents, not accepted by his friends. And he went on Facebook. He wrote a message. And he was overcome by his Goliath. Why? Because he probably didn't understand that there's a God who could help him go through and to strike down Goliath. And he killed himself. He left his suicide note on Facebook. That happened earlier this year. Goliath scenario number two, and I'm closing now. I think this one is really important. I know Daniel is looking at me. I need to finish now. But I can't finish without this video. What I'm about to show you right now is something which happened last year in America. A guy named Botham Jean. He was killed and shot, shot and killed in his apartment whilst eating ice cream. Why? Because a police officer, off-duty police officer, accidentally went to the wrong level in, 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 in the same block of units, opened his door thinking it was her door, saw him there and just shot him. A Christian guy. Beautiful guy. And his family, Christian family, is now distress, in distress. And their Goliath now is, how do I now get that courage to forgive this lady for innocently taking the life of my son, my promising son? Please, roll the video. That is in the courtroom. That is in the courtroom. That happened in the courtroom. The guy who died, his brother, is now speaking to the one who shot his brother. And this is what he said. Roll the video. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. He overcome his Goliath through Christ. No one say I cannot remedy my defects of character. If you come to this decision, you will certainly fail of obtaining everlasting life. The impossibility lies in your own will. If you will not, then you cannot overcome. The real difficulty arises from the corruption of an unsanctified heart and an unwillingness to submit to the control of God. As I close, if there's anyone here today, you were sitting on the fence and you're not sure whether you should get serious about God or go out the church. You're, you're between this fence and Goliath is taunting you and you're not sure what to do. God is saying, hey, let me help you overcome. And if, it's that, if that is you today and you're saying, you're saying, Lord, I want to surrender all to you. Lord, I've been battling with my Goliath for too long now. I know now exactly what to do. Now I've got my sling and my stone. I want to overcome. If that is you today, I want you to stand with me as I pray. If that is you today, if you're saying, Lord, I want to surrender. Lord, I want to give my life to you because there may be Goliaths that I may face that I want you to over help me overcome. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you so much, Lord. Father, you've seen the response that we all have said yes to you. We want to continue to be under that covenant. And those who are not is saying, yes, I want that opportunity to be under that covenant. I want that protection from you. I want that power to overcome the Goliaths in my life. 
how you can see us all standing, Lord. Give us the victory as you've given it to David. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This message was made available by the Watara Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit waitarachurch.org.au. Academy will now sing, I Surrender All.
Welcome to God's Favourite Shepherds, a collection of 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters, with many of the stories ending with a short quiz. Listen now to the author of God's Favourite Shepherds, Bill Ackland. The story I would like to share with you today is entitled, Men on a Mission, Gifts from Gentiles. This story is based on Matthew chapter 2. My friends and I are favoured, having been born into the ruling class of our country, a long way to the east of the Great Sea. We had never been that far to the setting of the sun, for there was sufficient interest in our country to hold our attention. Little did we realise what was to happen very soon. We are philosophers, and although idol worship is present in our country, we have thought otherwise. Our special study has been the stars. We have seen that there has been a pattern from year to year in those great lights so far away from us. To be frank, we are fascinated with those heavenly bodies. We have come to believe that all the stars we see above us each night were put there by a mighty one, a being so wise and powerful that he will ever be beyond our knowledge and understanding. And then one night... Each of us in our small group had the same dream. We were told that very soon a star we had never seen before would appear in the night sky. It would be easily recognisable, for it would be much larger than the other stars, and perhaps not too far from the world on which we live. More than that, in the dream we were told that we were to be prepared to go on a long journey in the direction of the Great Sea. The guiding star would lead us to the baby who would be born and destined to be king of the Jews. Of course, we knew the checkered history of the Jews. Anciently, their forefathers had lived a somewhat nomadic life in the land of the Canaanites. During a devastating drought, their extended family had moved to Egypt, where sometime later the ruling pharaoh enslaved them for hundreds of years. Their great leader Moses then came on the scene and after terrifying plagues sent by their God, the Jews were released, travelling on a 40-year journey through the wilderness to their promised land. I don't have time now to tell you all of their good times and bad, mostly bad, how they found themselves under the control of the Romans. We made a study of the ancient writings of the Jews for some of their scribes left scrolls in our land when they returned to rebuild the wall and the temple in Jerusalem hundreds of years ago. In these scrolls, we found that a saviour would come who would be a special kind of king. With this background knowledge, and as the result of the dreams, we made ready for the long journey to find this one of whom the prophets wrote. We counted ourselves most fortunate and blessed to be told that a special star would guide us on our journey. Knowing that the baby we would see would be no ordinary human baby, we determined to take very precious gifts to him. We hoped his parents would tell him about us and our visit and how honoured we felt to be able to assist his family in this way. Several months later, we reached Jerusalem. That is where the star guided us and then disappeared once we had reached the gates of this famous city. Now that we were here, how could we find the one we came to worship? 
We made inquiries of the common people, but they didn't seem to know what we were talking about. Even the religious leaders were indifferent to our visit. We were just about ready to return to our homeland when we received an order from the king, King Herod, to go at once to his palace. When we arrived there, he seemed very interested in what we had to say about our long journey following a new star in the night sky and that a new king of the Jews was to be born about that time. He summoned the priests and the rabbis and inquired of them just where this new king would be born. Initially, they were somewhat indifferent to the king's request, so he urged his questions upon them. They grudgingly said that the king, who would be the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem in the province of Judah. So King Herod told us to go to worship the baby as we had planned, but to be sure to return to him, to tell him where this new baby was, so that he could go to worship him too. We headed off the very next night, for the star that we knew so well had appeared again. We did not stop until we got to Bethlehem, not too many miles down the road from Jerusalem. There we were directed to the humble place where this baby king had recently been born. We were all strongly impressed that this was indeed the one we had been told about in the dreams we had several months ago. With great joy and adoration, we all bowed low before him and worshipped him. What an honour that was for us, for none of the religious leaders of the Jews had seen this precious one. Before leaving, we gave the valuable presents of gold, frankincense and myrrh to Joseph and Mary. Somehow we felt that these gifts would be a great help to this humble family. Little did we know what was ahead of this special family. The night before we left Bethlehem, the same angel again appeared to us in a dream. He instructed us not to go to see King Herod, but to return to our country another way. We were fortunate that over the years, many roads had taken different routes from our part of the world, over mountains and across deserts and rivers toward the Great Sea and Egypt, so it was easy for us to find our way home without going through Jerusalem again. Since arriving back in our country, we have not stopped talking about the unique experience that has been ours. Here we were, philosophers from another land, chosen to visit the one who would be the King of the Jews and the Saviour of the world. We did not know how all this would happen, but we determined that the love and devotion that we had in our hearts when we met this special baby would always remain. We are anxious to hear word of this one to whom we were guided by an angel star. We are the Magi. And here is a brief quiz for you. How many men set off to follow a special star? Did these men live in Galilee, Judah, or in another country? How did they know something of the history of Israel? Did they go to Bethlehem first, or to another town? What were the gifts they brought for Jesus? Did they report back to King Herod, as he asked them to do? You've been listening to God's Favoured Shepherds, a book with 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters. 
If you have any comments or questions or to obtain a copy of this book, give us a call within Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you. It's been a pleasure bringing you this program here on 3ABN Australia Radio.